It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I guess I'll add Casey. Is he actually going to answer this time? Uh, we'll see. See how drunk he is. That picture of him looks really weird. Well, what pictures of Casey don't look weird? That's a fair point. What up, Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. What's going on in this picture you sent, Casey? Uh, microphone? Oh, that's a mm. microphone. Okay. A very big drink. The drink I noticed, but I couldn't tell what the other thing was. It looked like some weird Seriously? ass water bottle. It's a shitty picture. Don't you have a yeah. flash on that thing? Uh, maybe. I have like an iPhone 5. I'm not even lying. It still has a flash you're using snapchat there you know lights up the screen yep i do light up the screen that's just oh my personality you should stop now hello 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 i'm here i'm here i'm here right. calm down calm Dude, down i'm here <laughs> juan was that oh no being like oh this is what i have to look forward to for the next hour sure uh, so I, and, I think and debating should... what I can keep in for the cold open. There we go. <laughs> All you have to do is bleep out the naughty words. It works. I, I, we'll just have three minutes of bleep. How about that? Just one <laughs> fucking long bleep for you know, the cold open. Where they have the helper monkey and he gets real fat and then he types the thing that just says pray for mojo. I feel like that's Juan right now. He's just like for Juan. Ooh, Juan, do you want me to check Twitter and see what the people have to say? No. Oh, he's losing. He's losing. Yeah, you're losing. You're losing real bad. Already? Yeah, I'm not surprised. What do you mean already? Like, it was four seconds later. It's 82 votes, and it's 78% social, 22% stop drinking. Wait, what was this? No. I thought we were talking about the Packers game here, when you said I was losing. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody cares about the Packers. We don't care. No, I I put a poll out and retweeted it on Hammer and Rails. We're about to pod. Juan says stop drinking. What do you guys think? I just finished the two Mike's Hard Lemonades that pilfered from the uh, tailgate, and now I'm on to Shiner. You know, it's really weird that you made a joke about having c*** in your mouth earlier, and that's the thing you've said today. Hey, it was free. Two Mike's Hard Lemonades? Did you just swallow them real down real good? I did. They were even the eight ounces. They were the eight ounce cans. (laughs) I poured them both into a glass and drank them quickly. Eight ounce cans? You are a pretty lady, Drew. Jeez. They were free. I don't think you You understand the concept. I I know you guys don't tailgate at Purdue, but we have sponsored tailgates, and they just bring whatever alcohol, and then you just throw it in your baby wagon and take it home and drink it. I got, like, a case of, like, Red's Mango the other week. your wife like that? It was <laughs> delicious. Oh, I don't call her the baby wagon. 
Just Honey, just... if they put that in the cold open, it's not about you. <laughs> Welcome, ladies Hi. and gentlemen, to this sultry sounds coming in your ears. Damn it, Casey! <laughs> Shut the f- up! <laughs> Trying to be professional here. <laughs> so, uh, so that that there's our opening. Uh, we've uh, <clears throat> damn it, Casey, and told him to shut the f- up. This is Travis Miller of HammerAndRails.com coming to you from my living room with my laptop on the counter and a nice juicy bottle of water in my hand. That's right. You close your eyes. Made a very weird tone at the start. Yeah. <laughs> Last time it was like calm and storybook. This time, very sensual. I am Mr. Very... Rogers with an X rating. I I am very sensual. Don't you want to be my neighbor? Oh <laughs> yeah. I think we should really start this over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm just saying, this is going nowhere good. That's about ninety percent of our podcast, though. Let's be yes, honest. Yes, it is. So. Uh, let's go around the room and introduce everybody. Coming to you from our nation's capital, our new president-elect, Andrew Ledman. How are you doing, sir? Don't even joke. <laughs> <laughs> you just hit the the soft spot already, Travis. Yes, there we go. And then uh, that would be Juan coming to us from the woman that the woman of loose morals of the Big Ten, Ann Arbor. Well there, well there. Ann Arbor is such a whore. Why couldn't you get in? It's true. <laughs> Next, we have deep in the heart of Texas, and that's deep in the heart of Texas, Drew Schneider. Howdy, y'all. Who was informing us earlier (laughs) of his proclivity for drinking lady drinks as he drank not only a Mike's Hard Lemonade, but but a little tiny eight-ounce Mike's Hard Lemonade. They were free and scavenged from a tailgate. Yes, yes, we know, we know. (laughs) Sure they were. And finally, coming to us from God's Country, West Lafayette, Indiana, we have Casey Bartley with us. Casey, how you doing? Well, me and Drew describes his drinks the same way I do my sex life, so. It was free and found at a tailgate? Okay. <laughs> so, and, and, and smuggled in a kid's, t- in a kid's wagon. And hey, now we're crossing lines. Oh, oh, now we're crossing lines. Get him on. Get him. Get him. <laughs> we, we are Juan, we're only starting. If you anger me, I can make this worse. I could just delete this whole podcast, too. You know, like, <laughs> makes my life easier. Well. Anyway, we are talking Purdue football, Purdue basketball here as it is Old Oak and Bucket Week. And that is going to be our leadoff topic here. I guess the easiest way to say it is, do we have a shot to win the Old Oak and Bucket back for the first time in three years? Four years. Nope. We, we just need to kick the bucket on this season. We have a shot. Wow, oh, the pun zing. The start. Ledman. Ledman is our voice of uh, Look, reason and positivity. I'm not saying it's a good shot, but I'm just telling you. The offense has shown that they can actually play. They can sling the ball around a little bit. And the defense, if Replogo plays, can stop the run. I mean, they did well against Wisconsin. <laughs> part of the game. <laughs> And Indiana is no Wisconsin. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it could happen. I, I tend to agree with him. We have you. Okay, I'm sorry, man? I'm choking on. I'm choking on that. Hold on. He said. He said Purdue can stop the. Run. Oh, okay, I'm better. Well, we, I'm better. We did stop the run for a quarter. Unfortunately, football's four quarters. Since when? Yeah, maybe they'll at least let us look at the bucket. You know. <laughs> Hey, I will say this. We'll be back in 10 years. I have a unique relationship with this game and the bucket because I have sat at many a Thanksgiving dinner table or uh, uh, sorry, Christmas dinner tables with the bucket as the family centerpiece. The actual bucket. I use favor, correct? Yes. Yes. The actual bucket. And I use favor. My my uncle is the guy that carries the bucket onto the field after the game. So they just let him have it at all holidays. Uh, he takes it home sometimes, yeah. He's going to get fired after this air is <laughs> I don't think he will get fired. Is it like the Stanley Cup? Like, does he yeah, get what? gloves? Do you put gravy I, I don't. I don't know how it works. Sauce? I just know that it's been there. Is there things in there? 
it's been there. There's a lot more P's than I's on it still, so don't worry. But... Have you teabagged the old oaken bucket? <laughs> I, I have not. I have not done that. I've well, committed that... no acts against God towards the bucket. He's not Lee Corso. Does he have Lee Corso once famously said the first time that he won the bucket at Indiana, he went home and put it on his bed and was like rolling around with the chain links naked in it or something. And it was it's he uh... dry humped the old oaken bucket. Lee Corso did? Probably. You know, my uncle played for Corso. I think that's part of the problem. The answer is no, Travis. We have no chance. We yeah, have no so chance. chances are... I'm giving it 5%. I, I think there's a chance mostly because Indiana has been about as turnover prone as we have been of late. And if there is going to be a team that we can finally put it together for all four quarters, it would be them. But Purdue's just been, they've had too much of its proclivity to just completely fall apart once one thing goes wrong and look totally different. I mean, that's what happened on Saturday. They look great for 20 minutes. One call, one play goes wrong and it was over. And, it, and everything just switched after that point. You could feel it. So stupid punt. Stupid punt. Yeah. Yeah, we punted. We we were driving, and then we decided not to go for it, and punted them the ball, and then they scored like forty-five points in a row. Yeah, that's right. We did. We had the punt, but I was thinking more the the screen pass on third and twelve or whatever that they took down inside the twenty. Well, yeah, but that was after the punt too. Yeah, immediate post-punt. Mm-hmm. But what annoyed me about that was it was like fourth and four on the Wisconsin 36, and Wisconsin already committed two offside penalties, I think, yeah. in that drive. So it was like, come on, at least send the team out there, try to draw an offensive or offsides and get the delay of game that way. But no, they just stood on the sidelines and took the delay of game then. Yeah, I didn't get it because Parker's been like, F it, we're going for it. I don't care. We're running it. We're going for it on our like 30 yard line. And now we're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we should punt it and try to play defense against Wisconsin. Yeah, (laughs) against Wisconsin. You're playing the numbers. It made absolutely no sense. It was not at all consistent with anything Mm -hmm. he had done all year. Or I mean, three games do you think he got scared because he thought like this was the one like big like win that he could have that he could put on his mantle be like i coached purdue for a year what good happened we beat the wisconsin badgers i mean he certainly couldn't have been intimidated by the 12 people in the crowd so i mean oh yeah that that crowd yesterday was awful i I was there and it was it's the worst crowd i've ever seen were you the only non-parent Purdue fan? I, it looked like a lot of Wisconsin and parents. Uh, the, I, it was probably closer 50-50 at halftime in terms of Wisconsin fans. Purdue it was fans. pretty cold out, so it might have just looked more Wisconsin because oh, everyone had rosy cold. cheeks. Oh, they play football in cold weather. I think the saddest part was the student section might have had 50 people in it after halftime, and that that's a that's a high estimate. It was it was it was a mess, and the, the saddest thing when we give up less than like 28. The saddest thing is is they in the last four years were one in 15 at home against Big Ten teams. Yeah, suck at Nebraska. And the only reason <laughs> we won't beat Nebraska was the epic meltdown of their freshman walk-on quarterback. Yeah, they turned. It Don't care, like- still won. To go back to Travis's point about. Uh, Lee Corso, there is <laughs> at the old oaken bucket. There is literally an article on the Indiana Business Journal that corroborates that story. Oh yeah, he's he was he's it on ESPN. around in the chains. The the actual the actual right from the story. Um, it's written from the perspective of the old oaken bucket. So I'll just let that sink in for you. Oh um, God. But it says, if Auburn and Alabama played for me, I'd be on ESPN all the time. Lee Corso would fondle me, just like he did when he won his last bucket game as Indiana coach three days before they fired him. But that's a story for another day. Oh, dear. Well, that's that's a story. That's That's a a real line and a real story on the Indiana Business Journal. Can our next podcast just be Ledman reading that story word by word? It's not a very long story. Well, speaking of the old open bucket <laughs> and some coaches, we can move on to our next topic. Can I say one thing before before we go on to the coaching search? This has been like the most unlucky year I think for Purdue football could have possibly imagined. If you, I don't even think like I even considered like the worst case scenario of being this. Starting the year, the our most probably our most important offensive players were uh what patterson who played what two games one game i one of our most important yeah i think he played against Cincinnati. our starting left tackle with literally nothing behind him let's see jones who has been injured the entire season pretty much 
Yeah, he yeah. also got uh, banged up at Cincy. I don't know if I'd call yeah. him that important, though. We have decent backups. Well, who's our most important player then? Our left tackle and our tailback? And then I don't know. It's football, so it's gets, probably the quarterback. Domo Young get, gets hot, and then he's out. And then on defense, what? We've lost Rapogo has been out, like, he's on built. and off. Bentley has been off, like out, on and off. Like They're literally, like, the most important players on Purdue. Agreed. Um, other than Blau have been injured. I don't, I don't think that's luck, defense. though. I think it's based around the fact that we don't have a team with any depth. Like, our starters yeah. aren't that great, let even, alone our even, backups. Even if you don't have depth, if you lose your most important players, I mean, it's going to hurt you. Even if you have good backups, there's they're backups for a reason. They're a step down. No, I yeah, mean, if they're if, good backups, it hurts lost, you. If Clemson left. lost, if lost there, if Clemson lost, Wayne Gallman, Mike Williams, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Ben Boware and, you know, Carlos Watkins. I know none there of would these. Be a, there would be yeah. the drop-off. It wouldn't be word. quite of the Purdue drop-off, but it would be like a three-win drop-off with the amount of talent even behind them. Agree completely with Drew. You just admitted you didn't know any of the names. Yeah, I'm talking about the principle for Purdue. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the yeah. principle of the matter, and principle is is we just don't have Division One football players behind these guys. Right. That's what I'm saying, Travis. It's not luck. It's the fact we don't, we barely have he's enough. Talking about we the barely have 22 D1 players, let alone backups to that. He's just saying, like, what are the odds? It's bad luck that all of our most important players are hurt, not that we have shit people behind them. What are the odds mm-hmm. you have yeah. a roster of, like, 98 people and, like, 12 of them can play? Well, pretty damn good, apparently. You've obviously never been Daryl Hazel recruiting a Division One football team. That's what I'm saying. It's not luck. None of the season was luck. We weren't unlucky. Well, we, we were, were unlucky to an extent I, in that I we disagree. had such a small margin of error that yeah. that margin of error was gone with this luck. How many points no, did we give so up? I agree with both. Yeah. I agree with both of you, Casey, because it's not. It's it. It is totally on the coaching staff that there is literally nothing behind right. these guys. Right. Yeah, we got but unlucky in injuries, but you have to be prepared for that. It's football. Yes, and you got gigantic you people got, are banging against each other every single play. There's very few teams that lose their their left tackle, their tailback, their probably best wide receiver or close to best wide receiver all on the offense and then lose their like one defensive tackle and their starting middle linebacker and then their nickel corner or whatever position. That guy's been gone too. So, and then like, it's been just crazy. The top level guys for Purdue just dropping. And there's, like you said, there's nothing behind them, but I cannot, I would be so like devastated right now as a, as a Clemson fan if we were without our starting left tackle, our starting tailback on our best wide receiver, like sure, you don't terrible. want to. This has always confused me. What do we think of D'Angelo Yancey? Because in theory, he's been our lead receiver. He's a good. And he receiver. catches like a long TD like every other game. Do we think he's good? Because he drops one every other game. He, he's good, but I think he could be a lot better. Because uh, he short arms a lot of plays. He's kind of a one trick pony. He's he's going to hurt somebody with the deep ball, but everything else is sort of questionable. Right, and you we kind of excuse that when he was young, but like literally he's a senior now, and that's all he's got. Well, that was why Young was so important because you could send Yancey. I mean, if, but if you catch two fifty yard passes for you know that's all right, and that's why Young was so important because he was the guy that was always you know getting open for. Like, like six, eight, ten yards a, a, a time, losing him as a the compliment to Yancey just running the go route, I think really hurt the team a lot more than even we were, you know, thinking when uh, Young went down. I think I just devalue a single receiver unless they're literally like Antonio Brown. Yeah, I, I could see that. And what's more concerning is, is Purdue loses virtually everybody who is a contributing receiver. I mean, the only one that comes back next year are the two tight ends and Phillips and Phillips has Crisco hands. Uh, Lander, Lander's, I don't know. He hasn't played very much though, but I don't think he redshirted. So he'll be back. No, nah, he didn't redshirt. He's burned the redshirt cause he's been playing on special teams, but that's it. Doesn't the kick returner come back? Uh, he- uh yeah, Malik, uh, 
What's his Kimbrough. name? Oh, Kimbrough. Kimbrough, Kimbrough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be back, but he's got kind of Domo's game. He should like, be super good. Shift. I don't think he has knows how to run any of the routes, but I I think if he could he could be a really interesting like slot sort of guy and to get the ball in his hands. But I I don't think I mean he came in and they put him at running back to start with, and then I guess they shifted him out to wide receiver. I think he played running a uh, wide receiver at at JUCO though, so. Maybe with a year of he just has the look of a game breaker. Like there were a lot of plays where he was literally just like one tackle away from just gone. And he had a he had a nice touchdown at Illinois that Mm -hmm. way. Yeah, they're all like screen passes where he just has to take like two steps left and catch the ball. I haven't seen a lot of him actually, you know, crossing the line of scrimmage without the football. It just kind of feels like we have like five shotgun wounds to the chest and we're talking about like knife cuts on the arm. That's yeah. probably true. I mean, our obviously Purdue has failed on the offensive line and defensive line. You can't win football games like that. Which, which I is mean, why we should probably shift to the. There coach. is no proof to that. What proof is there? <laughs> it's probably why we should Stop shift to the coaching sense. search news because it seems that there are at least rumors and strong innuendo that. <laughs> Bobinski is going to announce the hire possibly later this week, if not immediately after the Indiana game on Sunday. And I guess the question I have for you guys, is this a good thing that they're going at it this early? Or is it the, oh, great, did we just rush things too much? I think it's risky. I think there there is a lot of upside to it because you can say to all the people out there interviewing, especially people who are coming from either just being fired, like someone like, like Les Miles, or who are looking to move up, like your boy, row the boat, uh, Fleck. So, you know, you can say to them, look, you don't know what's going to be open. Here's what we have. Here's what we can offer. Sign the contract. We'll get it done. But on the other hand, you know, if you do hire someone now, then what if your other guy who you wanted wants to wait? You know, what if he wants to see what's available, but he may come to you? There's not a good way to do it because if you wait, if you wait around and hire someone in two months, maybe you're going to be left with scraps because you got to hope you can lure in the people with the right contract. So, Ledman, you have led me perfectly into the Michelob Ultra Metaphor Hour, the Ooh. newest sponsored Hammer and Rails segment. If you are... We have no sponsors. <laughs> I'm putting that out there right now. We have no sponsors. If anybody wants to sponsor us... Michelob Ultra Metaphor Hour. <laughs> it fits perfectly. Anything else? Meineken? Meineken can do it. If you are the hottest guy at a party... You can pay to be patient. You can show up, watch all the drunk chaos. You don't have to bite at the first semi-attractive girl that comes to you. If you are desperate and dorky with glasses and you barely know how to do a Jaeger bomb, the first even remotely attractive girl that bats an eyelash at you, you should go straight, just whatever they want. You have to go with it. And Purdue is not the most attractive person at a party. Are we the nerd with glasses? You're metaphorical. No, we're the friend of the nerd with glasses. The one who doesn't I need like look a flowchart. Cool. The one who doesn't even look smart. We're the dumb guy next to the nerd with glasses. Do you have a Venn diagram I could look at? Yeah, it's a gigantic blob, and we're off the blob. And whatever crawls to us, we should take. So, okay, I'm going to stop your metaphor. What is your advice? My advice is if you can get less miles right now, I think Les Miles is the best hire that we could possibly get because we're not going to do better. There is too much risk with Fleck. Les Miles is looking for, I would imagine, a five to six year window, someone in the Big Ten and someone. We have a little bit of history that we've been good. And we I also have angry. a quarterback that looks like someone that could be good. If he could come here for that little amount of time, he's got the name recognition. He knows how to recruit. He knows the area. That's as good as we can hope for. I think you're right. I think Fleck you're right. is a wild card. Fleck is young. So there's going to be a lot of schools that think, oh, this could be my future for 20 years. And he's already said that he wants to kind of like wait, wait it out from what I've read. And we cannot play that game because as soon as other schools get in, we are no longer anywhere near attractive. So, so if Miles wants to sign a contract, go for it. If Fleck wants to sign a contract, absolutely. But we so need saying- a commitment at this hour, right now, this week, from someone that is not incompetent or not Greg Olson or someone related to Holtz. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you there because Olson just Olson terrifies me and Olson is the Burke move. OK, let me, OK, I'm going to stop you. Why does everyone hate Greg Olson? 
because he Thank was you. the offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This isn't okay. exactly a... Okay. Is he the GM for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Did I... he pick every player on the Jacksonville Jaguars and get them on that team with a crappy offensive line and Blake Bortles as their okay, quarterback? Look, you have a minute and a half. Convince me of Olsen. He did a great job at Purdue as the quarterback coach. Obviously, we know that. years ago. This is Ledman's time, Travis. Yes. Yes. I okay. have let him have a minute and a half. No one can. All right. I have the share bear. No one else can talk. <laughs> he did a great job at Purdue with Drew Brees. That should speak for itself. Drew Brees thinks of him highly as one of the greatest guys to ever coach him. Yes, I know he jumped around. Yes, I know he left Purdue in a lurch and really ticked Joe Tiller off. But Joe Tiller also brought him back when he needed another job. Got him in as a tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator. Purdue hired a or Purdue got a pretty good class that year, which if you go to a wonderful website, hammerandrails.com, and look at the coaching search under Greg Olson, you can read all about who we signed that year. Now, then he moves on to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. I know he's been fired from places and moved from place to place, but when you're an offensive coordinator, if your head coach gets fired, you get fired. You often have little to no choice in personnel, and you basically just have to work with what you're given. It's not like college football. You don't get a recruit if you're the offensive coordinator. You can maybe lobby for some guys, but it's not going to happen unless you've got a head coach willing to work with you. And when you're in the NFL and you're coming in, as he did with Jacksonville, he was only there for a little over a year. And it's not like firing him fixed their problem. They scored, what, 19 points today and looked like dog crap? I don't think the offensive coordinator is the problem. I no, would do the quarterback has a problem. But he wasn't able to improve Bortles, correct? I mean, you got to admit, Blake Bortles is probably going to be garbage for his career. Oh, he is a wet pile of somehow so, the pile of garbage is both wet and on fire. So look what he did. Look what he did with Jeff Garcia, who we can all agree, not exactly a Hall of Fame quarterback. Favorite quarterback right? ever. He took him to the Pro Bowl in San Francisco. He got him to rejuvenate his career, not only in uh, Detroit, but also in Tampa Bay toward the end of his career. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing with quarterbacks, whether you like it or not. Not everyone can be a success. I mean, there's going to be guys that flame out in the league. Johnny Manziel had all the talent in the world, but couldn't get his head on straight. And he's also not very tall. So he flamed out. That's not the offensive coordinator's fault. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, awesome. we've seen what College Station did to Drew. Exactly. That's a dangerous place. But I mean, you know, very, yes. people want to point out. People want to point out one place that Olsen has been and say, well, you know, the Jaguars offense is terrible, terrible. Well, OK, but it's not just the offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator just becomes a scapegoat when things don't go well. He's like the backup quarterback. You know, they're like, oh, that guy, you go to him or fire him. It's it's the same theory. It doesn't always work and it hardly ever works. I am less scared of Olsen after that. Still not a huge fan. OK, Travis, why do you think he sucks? Because he's never been a head coach before. He has nothing. He has no idea how to handle recruiting. He has no idea how to build a program. We need somebody more than somebody who's just good at creating quarterbacks. That's fantastic that we would Travis, have a quarterback. We have Travis, no offensive line. Travis, Our defense Travis, is a- Travis. Yes. Hazel was a head coach before he came here. Exactly. <laughs> Well, so, so that's I mean, your qualifying offer. Well, it's, it's at least a good place to start. Olsen was a recruiting coordinator at Purdue. 15 years ago. And he still has a job in football. That means <laughs> it's not too bad. Recruiting 50, 15 years ago was a lot different than recruiting today. But right now what Purdue needs is they need more than just somebody who can coach a quarterback. I mean, okay, so who's going to fix the defense? Let me ask you this. Of, of all the names out there, Travis, who would you want to hire? I would want Miles, and I would want Miles because just on name recognition alone, he will infinitely improve recruiting. And that's that's the main thing that Purdue needs right now is a gigantic boost in recruiting because you can have the greatest X and O's coach out there, but we don't have the horses right now to play a 60-minute Big Ten game. Will and- Purdue hire Steve... What's his last name? Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. Well, Purdue hire him as an offensive coordinator. Hey, Les Miles says he wants to take him, apparently. Would if Purdue was, hire him? Does that eliminate Les Miles from the pool? No. I would think so. Why? Because it seems like Miles has the 
kind of has his plan for the guys that he wants and his the assistant that he the assistants that he wants going into this right now. No, it's already decided. Like he's pretty much said he's taking him. Wait, mm-hmm. hold on. The question is, will Purdue allow someone with his history to coach for us? He had alcohol problems. He didn't do anything terrible, right? Am I wrong? No, no, he it's was just a PR nightmare. Yeah. No, he's he's been he's got the Alabama like two year redemption, and now that's what all yeah. the coaches who get in trouble do. They go on their like special assistants for Alabama for two years. Okay. I think they've got like right. four coaches with scandals like I mean, on their coaching staff right now. He, he wasn't in any sort of legal trouble, correct? He he just so I mean no, but I mean he publicly like gave like a drunk address at something, correct? Yeah, yeah he, he pretty much got loaded and was like all pro USC and everything. Obviously, that's not great, but I think the dude deserves a second chance. He didn't hurt anybody except yeah, look for at look, look at Larry Eustachy. He got a second chance. Right, I just Quinn Snyder is coaching in the, the NBA thing... right now. Think about that. Quinn Snyder is coaching in the NBA right now. Right, but I'm and talking it, specifically. It, it, second Purdue, chances which... are all about football coaching. Right, but Purdue's one like thing they can hang their hat on is we've never had like violations of any major variety. Well, I think, I mean, again, there were, I mean, that weren't dealt with. He, he made some bad decisions. He did some stupid things, but he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't break any NCAA rules, as far as I know. I think the dude deserves a second chance. He seems to have put his life back in order. So I, I don't see a, any problem with that. And I'm sure there would be some sort of personal conduct clause worked into his contract if yeah. he were to get hired. So. And we could get him on the cheap. This is true. Yeah, yeah for real, no way we could afford Starkeesian as offensive coordinator if he hadn't been in trouble because, I mean, dude was what, the head coach at Washington and then the head coach at, at Southern USC. Cal. USC. Yeah. And mm-hmm. only lost and lo- lost the job because I, I, it sounded like he just couldn't handle the uh, the pressure. Yeah. Uh, I think it was... Well, the, showing up drunk to meetings was... Well, the, uh, uh, the alumni yeah. base was, was after him, if I remember correctly. He just wilted under the pressure. Yeah. Okay, so, so I, I want to know. I want to know rapid fire from everyone. Who is going to hire? Who is Purdue going to hire? And who do you want them to hire? Drew, go. I think Purdue is going to hire somebody. We're not talking. Oh, I don't even know, man. It's impossible. I'm going to okay. say you're the football expert. I, no, I, there's, there's like I want, I want them to hire Les Miles. I think that would be the best play. I don't think they're going to do it. All right, I think we'll it's stick with be who you want. So Casey, I want them to hire Les Miles and Steve Sarkeesian, and that would be ideal. I think that would be like the A plus. We're going to have to build a statue of Bobo outside the stadium higher. Okay, um, Casey. I want Miles. I think we'll get Olson. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Travis. I fl- I fluctuate every day. It seems between Miles and Fleck on who I want number one versus who I want as my second choice. So one of those two I would be elated with. After the news of Olson having actually interviewed and everything, I I fear that we're going to get him. All right, Juan. Uh, like everyone else, I either want Miles or Fleck. Um, I think if we do get Fleck, he'll probably be gone in five years if he does build something respectable, because easily a bigger school is going to come after him. Yeah, but we'll probably end up getting Olsen or maybe even Charlie Strong, because no one probably (coughs) wants him after getting fired at Texas. But would that be a bad thing if Fleck left after rebuilding something in five years? Oh, no, no. Because somebody would have to pay his buyout at that point. So we we would pretty much have cash on hand to hire a replacement or elevate an assistant, uh, especially if he brought like his staff and they seem to work out pretty well. And well, it's a lot easier to go further when you're at six and six or whatever, six and six, seven and five, than where we are now. Aim Maybe sales a little higher. Let's let's make this boat really row. Eight wins for Fleck. In how many seasons? How long does it take him to get there? <laughs> it, it took Daryl Hazel almost four. Did he get to eight? <laughs> he got nine. So he's a total. You look at Fleck and what he has done at Western Michigan. What impresses me about him is that first season was one and eleven, and it was the just complete and utter teardown from the beginning. And then in four years, he's gotten them to this, where they're eleven and zero, one of only two undefeated teams in the country. Which, yeah, it's the MAC, but if if it were that easy to go undefeated, then Purdue can't beat the MAC MAC every year. I mean, he has more wins against the Big Ten this season than we do. Can we talk about basketball? <laughs> yes, we we could we could probably switch over to basketball now. Uh, I think we made people suffer enough with football. I'm out uh, of mixers. It, since and, since and, we're going to talk about basketball, can I just mention that the no. uh, clock operator in the Breslin Center is a piece of 
Oh yeah, I just saw that. That was ridiculous. I completely tuned out during the football talk. I was watching. I'm that watching it right Michigan now. The, yeah, the Florida Gulf Coast should have gotten a game-winning shot there, but the clock operator started the clock when they inbounded the ball. When it should have been the clock should start when the person touches it inbounds. Not ugh. They can't review that and change it. They, they did review it, and they were like, "Yep, still good." Uh, and we thought. Ass Hall was the house of calls, but wow. I think Breslin Center might uh, take that prize this year. It was even running before he threw the ball in. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, math is hard for Spartans. Numbers just doesn't work for them. Like, they were supposed to have 1.6 seconds left, and the time was up as he caught the ball from the full-court pass. Yeah, because they tried to do the full-court Christian Leitner move. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 absurd. But uh, hey, Sparty's two and two, so unstoppable. <sighs> anyway, so people <laughs> want basketball. We got basketball. We have we have basketball internacional in Cancun, Mexico, my friends. See, we're gonna see. cut that, right? <laughs> we'll I don't it. know. Is cutting that censorship? What? That's not censorship. Mm. Uh, but anyway, we have the mm. Cancun. Is it Challenge or Classic this week? I can I, I have the side up. It is the Cancun challenge. As opposed to the Montezuma's Revenge challenge, which That's is something that sounds racist. <laughs> it's not racist. What are they? That's revenging? a stomach problem. But we So the Hard Rock off. Hotel Riviera. Yeah. It's one of those it's one of those basketball events that they take a ballroom in a giant hotel and they turn it into a basketball court. So we open up with Utah State. Who's worried about Utah State? I know Drew said that you had seen them a little bit, and what do they look like? They are going to – they're a bigger team than we've played so far. They're going to have a uh, like a 6'11 center and then like a 6'9 power forward and then like a 6'8 small forward. They're going to match up with us a little better than I think any t- team we've played so far. As in, in, we're not going to have these weird defensive cross matches where we've got our, you know, Vincent Edwards trying to guard a guard. They're a little bigger. They're pretty balanced all the way around. Um, I'm just looking at their. I watched a little of the Idaho State game. Obviously, not great competition, but I mean, their starters scored. Everybody scored in double digits, with you know, 17 points being the high. So they spread it out pretty well. Um, they're a big team. They like to uh, offensive rebound. It'll be a different matchup. We won't we won't be so weirdly cross matched with guards this time. Do they play a matchup zone? Not that I, I want to go back and rewatch. I just watched a little bit of it. Um, they did not, from what I saw, though. They didn't. I mean, that's they the might only, against us, though. That's the only thing that scares me at this point because the Georgia State game was pretty much the exact same as the Arkansas Little Rock game. They just played like a weird zone where every time one of our big guys caught the ball, there were three guys guarding him. And that is a problem for us because we just continue to try to throw the ball inside and then stop making outside shots. Or we That's, stop stop trying to throw the ball out inside and just kind of pass the ball lazily around the perimeter. Like That's oh, not what happened to the Georgia State game. We, uh, there, there was we a ran a high-low constantly <clears throat> and tried to run two big guys in the paint at the same time against four defenders. Saying that we stopped making three-point shots in that game implied that we made three-point started. shots. <laughs> yeah. You guys think it was a hangover from the Villanova game, or it was just the random, we're going to play like ass for 35 minutes game before we wake up? I think it was that one. Yeah, that one. I think we spent like six months focusing on that Villanova game. And two days focusing on the Georgia State game, coaching State wise, player talent. wise. I mean, they're de- they're a decent program, and yeah, uh, and they were quick. Yeah, they were like Hollowell played really well. Yeah, I mean these are all three and four star guys. It's not like we were. Uh, Georgia State has a lot of talent. A lot of it's transferred talent, um, but. I mean, these are all three, four-star guys. So it's not like Georgia State didn't have talent. And they were just the sort of team that we always struggle with because they don't play anybody inside. They'll play five out and just pick and pop or drive to the basket at our big guys who can't, don't have the foot speed to stay in front of them. And, of course, they're from the Sun Belt, the same program or the same conference that gave us a little rock, so... Purdue is so bad against those teams. That's like I, part of, I think, this whole setup's problem in the tournament. We are much better at more, you know, classically 
constructed big guy, power forward, small forward. Then we Which is why Utah State, State scares me less. The fact they match yes, that's up. That's why they scare me less too, exciting. even though they're probably a better team. Yeah, right. They're probably a better team. But we're going to match up with them, and right. we're going to be a lot more comfortable because we do not impose our will on small teams. Or we do, they just ugly it up so much. In the first half, all they do is foul, and we just go to the line and you know hit one out of two free throws while they were hitting threes on the other end. In all fairness, like it was almost impressive that like we physically dominated them so much with just like our inside presence that we yeah. played like complete crap for 33 minutes. But our size was so much the entire game that literally we just fouled out their team. I've never seen that many players yeah. foul out from the <laughs> there one There were team. two guys foul out with more than 10 minutes left. Yeah. Well, like, and within a minute of committed of each other. It was insane. And most times, if you let a team hang around that long, like you don't end up that game playing that crappy and then having a 20 to zero run. Which, how about a 20 to zero run? You don't get that in most games, period. I mean, it was, it was an impressive combination of just, we hit a couple of clutch shots. We also realized, hey, if we give it to this extremely tall, very large individual on the low block, they have absolutely no prayer of defending him one on one. And I mean, they were uh, literally guarding him with like six five or and like six three guys. <laughs> by the end honestly, of the game. I felt the problem the first thirty minutes was our big guys knew they had such an advantage, but they were triple teamed every time they caught the ball, and we were missing shots, and we just literally. A, the big guys stopped trusting them to make shots, so they stopped passing the ball, and then they started turning over the ball because they tried to do something against triple teams. Caleb, especially at the free throw, just looked off a ton of easy pass outs to open three-point shots. And I don't know if that's an indicator on what Painter told him to do, what they told the team to do, but I thought they're... You have to take the... This team is constructed in a way where we need the three-point shot. Everyone can shoot. We have shooters everywhere. You cannot abandon that just because you start cold. You still have to take the shots. And I think it doesn't help that uh, Vince right now is just... He's struggling mightily. He's st- but his assist numbers are still ridiculously high, He's too. always traveled like this. They're just cold oh, yeah. now. He's always yeah. just picked up both feet. You could whistle him for a travel on nearly every possession, yes. I think. We probably shouldn't tell people this. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter unless an official is listening. So. I don't I think th- any officials are listening to the Hammer and Rails podcast. That's what you you never know, Juan. People hear that I'm on the radio, they get excited. You know Damn. that was not Juan saying that, right? I don't care. I'm talking to Juan right now. <laughs> Juan's just minding his own business, stewing as Rodgers is struggling in the Sunday night games. So. I am. I'm not even watching that because I can only pick up so much <laughs> at once. I think there's an overarching theme. For so long, we've lived a life where we live by defense. And the one thing I've really come to realize is, in basketball especially, defense is consistent. That's why for so long, Painter's team didn't lose in the first round. But offense brings the ceiling. When you're an offensive team, You get hot in March, and you win through the tournament. Defensive teams, you never get blown out by bad teams. You never get blown out. But you do lose when you get against a really good offensive team. And all of a sudden, this team is not a great defensive team. We're not going to have the consistency that we're used to. But we do have the capability of having a team that has an amazing offense when we're hitting shots. So it's gonna there's going to be some fluctuation this year that we're not used to that we're going to panic about. Literally, if we just make like three or four more threes in the first half, open looks like we're just, you know, we're crushing them. But we missed. And that's the variance that we're going to have when we're a team that's not capable of locking down at every position like we used to be. And we don't have Hammonds just covering the rim. I think that's the same is true with the ugly turnovers. That's what hurt us. The turnovers at critical, critical points is what hurt us against Villanova, too. Uh, they were different turnovers. Uh, I really felt like the Georgia State game. We just we lost all our confidence in shots. I think Painter teaches like to lose confidence in shots because you get pulled for taking bad shots or quick shots or missing shots. And when you start not having confidence in your shots when you're playing a game, you stop moving to try to find open looks, mm-hmm. which is a why Ryan Klein. We really miss him when we play teams that zone up because off the ball he moves as well as anyone since Robbie Hummel and B. When we're not hitting shots, our guys just stop moving around the perimeter because we don't want to come off the screen and be open because we don't want that shot. And as soon as the team gets to that point, our offense gets stale. 
then no one's moving. And bad passes aren't just based on that person making a bad decision. Usually they make a bad decision because there's not an open guy to throw the ball to. So we try try to force things. I think we just don't get the points that we're used to off turnovers either. So yeah. we um, haven't turned I mean, the ball not... over for a while. We yeah, haven't I mean, turned the ball over on defense, since though, Kramer. I'm talking about we're not really no, on defense. I'm saying we haven't forced turnovers yeah. since Kramer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we'll we'll get a couple. Our turnover game, percentage man. in 2014, we were the 274th best team in the nation. In 2013, oh. we were the 311th best. In 2012, we were the 203rd best. 2011, 88. So even when we were good at it, we weren't that good at it. We were 23rd in 2010. That was the last time we were really good at forcing turnovers. We just want to be solid. That's what we're trying to do. Not leave open guys at the rim and we crash on drives. We're not trying to force turnovers because we don't have those kind of athletes. And I think it's, I. what do you guys think of the different lineups that we've employed here where Biggie's playing the five? And one of my biggest concerns, especially with, Taylor out until at least February now is I don't want to run Biggie into the ground playing 38 minutes a night. I don't, he's looked good hey, this early. He did has you see good. the uh, the video of him working out after after the game the other night in the in the weight room? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's crazy. What's he doing? He needs to be asleep. <laughs> the bed, man. Those weights are why like he's, he's not just falling down. Sounds <laughs> like he's wearing you out, Drew. He did. I was. I got tired watching him play and then watching him work out. I was exhausted for him. I that's how major league. Like that's how professionals do it, though. They lift after games. That's natural. Well, some of us aren't studs like you, Casey. This I don't do it. Good God, I I drink a smoothie and like smoke a cigarette after playing basketball. <laughs> this is not true. I don't smoke, mother. Okay, so focus back back to the tournament here. So back, back to the, the back to the. Yeah, there you go. So, so we haven't talked. We, you guys think we should beat Utah State pretty much yeah. under any circumstance? Yes. Yes. All right, then. Uh, I guess the bigger question is how bad do you want Auburn? And, oh, not uh, at all. So bad. Not I want him so bad, Travis. Why do you guys care? I can't. I can like. I can like taste it. I'm so excited to play oh Auburn. My God. I hate I, Bruce I Pearl so on, much. I hate Bruce Pearl so much. I want to beat him. What do you taste? It's not a specific taste, really. What is the game flavored with? Is there some kind of liquid thing on top of the game that I don't know? Let, perhaps covers Edmund it. Can taste the sauce. That's what he tastes. Exactly. Yeah. I know it's irrational and I know it's stupid. And he's just a kid. He's younger than me, and I get it. And it's absurd that I want to play Auburn so badly. But like, it's because he opened his mouth. Yeah. I don't care if you transfer from Purdue. That's fine. I get it. Not everybody's a fit. You know. You got to make this decision when you're 17, 18 years old, and you got to live with it. I get it. It sucks. But just don't go on Twitter and start talking crap. Put your phone away. That's all you have to say. And talking and, crap when another player decommits. Not yeah. not anything else related, but when another player decommits. Yeah, um, I, I want I want the I, I want to defend you guys on this in any way. <laughs> I think you guys sound like children. Although, yeah. what if I just want to beat Bruce Pearl? What if I don't really care about Ronnie Johnson? That just is the a, idea of, Bruce Pearl of beating Bruce Pearl's brains in makes me very excited. Either and, option is you get to face against Ronnie Johnson and beat Bruce Pearl or try to get revenge for the Little Rock game because Chris Beard is the coach of Texas Tech now. Eh, oh, uh, well, it depends on if another school offers a contract like before, the game. for the game on Wednesday. Because yeah. he be Purdue's new football coach? Uh, if we, I'm sure if we sent him a contract, he'd probably sign. I mean, he he was a head coach of three different programs over the summer at one point. So I, I had to go in and look it up. Our our good friend there, Ronnie Johnson, 14.3 minutes per game, six points a game, 1.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists. He is leading Auburn in assists. How many turnovers? Take the Surprisingly, very low, 0.7 yeah. per game. So only two say- turnovers on the year. He was looking good against Georgia State. He wasn't scoring at all, but he was he was driving and dishing. He had a sweet little alley oop in transition that uh, you know Ronnie, up there. Ronnie Johnson was not a motion offense point guard. No. Probably shouldn't have committed to a team that plays a motion offense. Then he yeah. was seventeen. <laughs> You're gonna hold that against him? No, his I'm brother kidding. was on the roster. Dude, I'm I'm playing the bitter man. Okay, just give me, <laughs> just let me bitter let me or better. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here, and I rarely do this. I think part of the problem that we had with Ronnie is 
he commits at the same time as Yogi Ferrell, and you're naturally going to get the comparisons because they no. played at high schools no, two Travis. miles apart no. from each other. No, because I had no so, idea that they committed at the same time. So, yeah, they basically, we wanted Ronnie Johnson to be Yogi Ferrell. The problem he is he came to campus while we had a super downturn after having, like, the greatest collection of players we've had in a long time that we all loved. But we did. Did we really have a downturn? Succeed. But did yes, we, really we had a downturn. Did we no. have a downturn? We, we had, had Robbie Hummel and Jawan Johnson and Etwan Moore, and we had talks about going to a Final Four before ACLs came into it. And then we had that poo-poo platter of Johnson players. Well, well not they, just the brothers. Anthony I Johnson might have been the was definitely the worst of them all. I just Whoa, don't think we had talent that. that fit well together. We had a ton of four-star guys. I mean, that's not Ronnie Johnson's fault. Yeah, they, they they just didn't fit well together and mesh well together. No, and... they didn't fit anywhere together because most of them weren't good basketball players. There there was a sharp downturn in talent, and I liked a lot of those players. Yeah. But there was no one on that team who could, one, take over a game, and no two, who was a surefire definitive leader. I mean, a, see, I, I think I, I think part of our problem is we thought Ronnie Johnson, or I think Painter thought Ronnie Johnson was going to be that player that could take over a game. He was the closest drive. thing that we had by yeah, far. Because I mean, he's who we went to when he was actually playing a lot. He was who we went to down the stretch to try to win games. And he got open looks. He just wasn't just a good enough jump shooter. Like he's super yeah. quick. He got to whatever spot he wanted on the floor. We also thought Tyrone Johnson was better than he was. Yes, and Travis Carroll. And uh, Patrick Beatty. Okay, if you thought Travis Carroll and Patrick Beatty were good, that's on you. No, I'm saying when they were recruited. Uh, no. Yeah, Travis Carroll was, was top 50 at one point. What? Carroll was Carroll was yeah. seriously. Yeah, he was. He just never grew. What? They were like they projected he grew. He was like six eight, and then like he just never Travis got. Travis Carroll much would bigger. have to be eight foot seven to be good on a basketball court. Travis he was Carroll, a top 50. He was top 50. Like, at, that's when insane. He was like, a sophomore Travis Carroll was trying to play center when he was not a center. And Did he, he know how to dunk? quick enough to be a power Could he dunk? Have, he has dunk? anyone seen Travis Carroll dunk? I have. So he oh. can dunk. Yeah, I, I, I mean, Lou Jack could dunk too. No, so. he couldn't. Yeah, he could. His, yeah, he his did. senior year. There's a video my... of Lou Jack dunking in a competitive game. <laughs> I yeah. saw it in person. Really? Yeah, it was Western Michigan, I think. Yeah, Thanksgiving. I, I, oh, I, w- I was blacked out still from the time he tried to dunk and threw it off the backboard 500 miles per hour. Worth it. Is that the Xavier game? <laughs> I think there were a couple times when he tried. From what I recall, there's only two times he actually tried dunking. One, he actually got in, and the second time he failed, and that was at Xavier. But those are the only two times I can recall him attempting a dunk in a game. That's a good ratio to get it in on, like, tender. Not great on a basketball court. I knew no. you were going to go there. <laughs> Going down on Yelp and Tinder. On that note, we should probably conclude this podcast. Yeah, this has gone far too long. Yes, yes we've, been at, we've been at this for about an hour, surprisingly. Or not surprisingly, yes. I should say. Good night, everyone. We're closing it right here. <laughs> Daddy has spoken. So uh, let, let's go around the horn here for some fun. No, we're done. <laughs>